Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Off the Post. I'm Russ Cohen. We've got Anthony Mangione. And how are you? Doing well, Russell. Yourself? Eh, pretty good. Not bad at all. And we have Michael Jello. Mike? Good evening, Russ. I feel loved and uh, very lucky this week. Not really. Okay, we'll just move on from that because it, it, it's not going to go anywhere. And we have a special <laughs> guest, Bill Meltzer, who, <laughs> among other things, works with the Flyers website, uh, Hockey Buzz, Flyers alumni. We're going to talk Flyers, folks. That's why Bill Meltzer is here. Hey, Bill. Hey, good evening, guys. All right, we'll, I'll, start, I'll start it off, and I'll send it around to Ant, and then we'll go Bill, and then Mike can chime in. But we, we have all this – everything happened this week with the Flyers, so then we, we had yesterday's game. And, and I'll tell you, my honest opinion was it's still – other than a little better penalty kill, although Columbus is power play, I, I don't know if they know how to do it anymore. But other than that, they're still doing a lot of the same things. They they fall behind sometimes. They come back and mm-hmm. they tie it. They get a point. They lose. Like, I don't know if we're seeing anything that much different. So this Western trip, if it's really an evaluation trip, it's a horrible trip for one thing. Like, nobody ever really loves this trip. I know they've survived on this trip before and actually even thrived, mm-hmm. but this just seems like it's not a great place to be. Basically, if and this has been kind of brought up before, and I'll, I'll I'll say this, and Bill and I have had this discussion, you and I have had this discussion before. The one thing that everybody talks about the fact that the Flyers have really have struggled to find an identity for themselves, and I would argue the point: no, they have an identity. They're basically the classic definition of passive aggressive, and we saw the we saw the yeah. classic element of that last night, where they were basically the, you know it, the first and second period just not there. They have a furious rally late and then fall short. And I, you don't want to oversimplify things, but it's a pattern that is conti- that anybody who's watched this team has seen and it's continued over and over again. And it really was in many ways, kind of a quick snapshot here for Chuck Fletcher to get a good, somewhat of a bearing on what this team is right now. And as they stand right now, I, it's again, it's one game, under under the new boss and this road trip's obviously going to mean you know quite a bit to them uh going forward again i i i'm curious to see again the effect that uh that rick wilson will have on the defense in terms of i know bill has mentioned the fact in his time in dallas that he's mm-hmm. more of a he's more of a hands-off coach versus gordon murphy who is very very much more hands-on and lets his guys play so how much of an effect we're going to see with that during this road trip is going to be something that's, in my mind, definitely going to be worth uh, keeping an eye on here. And I think, you know, everything everything takes some time. I mean, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're not going to step into a situation, you know, and, and radically change things overnight. You know, last last night's game, um, you know, they, it, was, it was a very strange game. I mean, 
for, for one for one thing, both time the for both times the Flyers have played Columbus this year, Sergei Bobrovsky's been very shaky. Um, you know, and he was he looked very vulnerable last night. I mean, he was you know he had he wasn't clean on the saves, a lot of rebounds, committing early, way back in his net. I mean, he he looked he looked ripe for the picking, you know, last night as as he was the first time the Flyers played against him. For 40 minutes, the Flyers had 11 shots, and you know, I mean, Columbus, any any John Tortorella team is going to block a lot of shots, yeah. but you know, I mean, the Flyers also missed a lot of good looks at the net. Last night's game was kind of you know, in some ways similar to, to, to a lot of the season. Although, I mean, the Flyers did have a pretty good start in the first few minutes. It was pretty wide open to start, and the Flyers got a really nice goal by Giroux. Yeah. Um, and then, the, you know, and then Stolarz let in a bad one, and he settled in after that. He was, he was fine the rest of the game. I don't follow him really on the other goals that went in. But I, but I think that getting the lead and then Kevin Columbus jump right back and, and get one, get it right back, that took the wind out of their sails a little bit for a while, and then they spent way too much time killing penalties. That's yeah. been a you know, besides the penalty kill looking better, and actually Dave Haxtell addressed that uh, today. I'd actually asked him about how, you know, when the, the PK numbers weren't there, he kept talking about how elements of the penalty kill were doing better. Like, you know, for example, the the Flyers have had much better up ice pressure. Um, yeah. they've, they've created some turnovers. You know, the problem's always been once the other team gets set up in their zone. They, they've been able, they've, they've locked things in, you know, been more aggressive. Getting saves, too, obviously, is huge. I mean, like, you know example, what the weird thing about the setup yeah. part? That's what Columbus was suffering from, Bill. Like, they didn't, they didn't, nobody wanted to take a shot. They didn't have one guy who actually really wanted to shoot yeah. in their power play. Yeah, and, and I mean, you know, I mean, in some cases, you know, like, uh, like Stollers made a great glove save on Panarin. You know, really. He did. Flat yeah, that was leather on that one. The other, you know, the other situations, yeah, I mean, they were, you know, there were times they passed up a few looks at the net, you know, and, and uh, you know, I mean, for the most part, I think the Flyers did a good job of disrupting. But one thing that they're doing, they one thing they're doing, you know, the Flyers have killed 14 in a row at this point. It, it, tells you, it tells you, you know, how much they had been struggling. They've killed 14 in a row, and they're still 30th in the league. Yeah. <laughs> just, over, just pulled it over 70% finally. Um you know, and it took it took all that to to get there. But I mean, one thing they've been doing during this stretch is they've been using uh, Claude Giroux, and I mean, they always, they always always use Sean Couturier, but they've been using those two very heavily on the PK. And mm-hmm. and what uh, you know what Haxtell said today, and I agree with him, those are hard minutes. And if you're playing Giroux a ton on the penalty kill, which they had, which they did a couple of years ago, you know, you're you're going to wear them down. And yeah, I mean, yeah. it's not a, it's not a long term exactly. solution. But right right now, there's really not any other alternatives. You know, and I mean, on the offensive side of the puck, Giroux's been the one guy who pretty much night in and night out is going to create chances, get his points. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he's he's been the one guy every night you know is going to deliver something or create something. You know, the Flyers really need uh, more than more than one line contributing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. JVR has been a, a, a disappointment so far. Um, there's no other way to put it than that. I mean, I know I didn't even notice him in that game at yeah. all. You know, in, in the morning, in the morning, Ben Reemsek was talking about, uh, you know, his process being good. He feels like his 200 game, foot game is, you know, uh, at a pretty good level. That's never been what he's known for. And, uh, you know, I mean, he hasn't been making mistakes, but he also hasn't been making plays either. And and playing in a, largely in a third-line role, which is where he was at in Toronto too, I might add, you know, uh, he actually gets some easier matchups. You know, everybody's so keyed on stopping Couturier and Giroux mm-hmm. and, and Konechny when he's up there. 
that you know he's getting secondary matchups and he's not doing anything with them. And I know you know I know he needs a center, a better center to get in the puck. And you know Nolan Patrick is uh, really kind of feeling his way right now, and other guys are struggling. But I mean you yeah. know I mean Van Riemsdyk is a guy they're counting on on being a, a difference maker. And it's not just not scoring; he's not creating very much. They need they need more out of Patrick. They need their top two defensemen to get going. I mean, you know, both Provorov and Gossip Bear off their games. Last night it was tremendous to see Travis Sanheim jump into the play, which he's yeah. been doing well, but actually get rewarded for it. I mean, he's been knocking on the door. And then once you get the first goal, you see that surge of confidence. You got another one. So yeah. that's, uh, you know, and I think you're going to – I think you'll see, you'll see Sanheim's offensive game grow as the season goes along. I, I could definitely see that happening. Now he's going to need a little more ice time to do that. I mean, last night he only played about 12, 12 plus minutes, some of which had to do with all the TK time because he doesn't yeah. spend much time on, on penalties, penalty kill. Um, but I mean, going on going on this West Coast trip, and really the, the rest of this month is a very tough schedule for the Flyers. Um, you know, then they seem to do better on the road than at home. Suddenly, the, this year and, and a little bit last year to some extent too. Um, but this is, you know, going on that Western Canada trip, and they're, they're going to run into Columbus again. Um, you know, they're, they, they start out in Buffalo. The Buffalo's cooled off a little bit, but they're still a much improved team, and they kind of took it to the Flyers the last time the teams met. Uh, they played Nashville later this month. I mean, it's, it's a tough schedule here. And this would be a segment of the season where if you're, you know, you have a, if you have a, a little bit of, uh, uh, cushion, but but if you're comfortably over 500, if you go 500 during the stretch, it's not that bad, and then you're set up, right. you know, set up right. for for a, a pretty good schedule thereafter. The problem is if the Flyers go 500 on, in this segment of the season, you know, over the rest of this month, then you're mid-season, yeah. you're still at 500, and that and you're pretty much buried. Five, 500 mid-season is not going to do it. You have to play it such a such a you know a, a torrid clip the rest of the year to get in the playoffs. So, you know, they're going, to, they're going to need to make a move under very tough circumstances, you know. And, and, I, and I do think that, uh, you know, I do think um, Chuck Fletcher will, will uh, hold to what he said where there will be an evaluation period. But it's, uh, yeah. you know, def, definitely guys under the gun, that's for sure. You would say a 500 road trip, Bill, would, be, um, would, put, would, would put pressure in terms of uh, – situation for Haxtell if they're coming out of this trip at 500 that we that the questions uh in terms of the evaluation will be getting even louder yeah you know and, and uh i mean i i i think that uh yeah i, I mean I, I think that if you get to a point where you're mid-season about 500 you know i unless they just decide to, to ride it out for the season and then make mm-hmm. a change um, you know, and, and uh, I mean, it's not impossible, even though the talk about making mm-hmm. bold moves. If you remember when the Flyers had their – really had a one-season rebuild. They had the worst season in team history, and this was a yeah. much better team than that 2006-07 team, not even, yeah. you know, not even in comparison. It was a much better club. I mean, that team was so bad that even the people who were like – even the ticket rippers, they were depressed. Like, it, everybody yeah. in that building was depressed. It was, it was brutal. And, and you know, the, I mean, there was – you know, I mean, Giroux, had, Giroux was uh, just, just drafted in 2006, so he was still a couple yeah. years from being ready. You know, Richards and Carter were up-and-coming young players, but the team was a mess. And, you know, I mean, it, it's uh, the way that team was rebuilt in a year, I mean, it, it started with a trade for, for Biron, who at least gave a little bit of stability in the net. And mm-hmm. you know, but it was also, you know, it was also the, the Forsberg trade and then getting Tiemann and getting Hart and getting Briere. 
You know, I mean, I'm not saying those kind of moves are out there, but I'm saying that within, within a year, the Flyers went from the worst record in, in team history to, to the conference finals. If they, if, they, if they have cap space, if they create a situation where they have even more cap space, it wouldn't be impossible they'd be sellers this year with an idea of being very aggressive in the offseason. So, you know, that, that's something to file away, too. Well, Mike, one observation and one question here, because, yeah, because uh, uh, Ben Reemsdijk has clearly struggled. The injury is, is a, you know, definitely a factor being out for five weeks. But if you look, he was, he was partnered with Tyler Bozak for at least three or four years. years. Yeah. I mean, yep. First Kessel, and then, and, then, and then Mitch Marner was on that line for a while. He scores a career-high 36 goals. And I'm not saying, you know, it wasn't because cause we know that JVR has a unique skill set, especially down in front of the net on the power play. It's just, I mean, I don't think he has a good enough center and somebody he feels comfortable with, and that's probably one of the contributing factors to why he's struggling. And, you know, even though he's a defensive liability, I think you have to put him in the top six to get him going because you're spending, you're spending $7 million on a guy, and, you're, and the role for him is to score. And if you're and if he's not scoring, then I think he's you know it's a it's a failure. So and yeah, my uh, observation on that. Now, Bill, go ahead. Yeah, I, I would say that you know I mean you want him you want him obviously scoring even if most of that's coming on the power play rather than five on five. That's fine. Um, you know I mean right now the Flyers' power play is just in general is a mess. And yesterday yesterday because of all the penalties they had to kill. JVR ended up sitting for about seven, eight straight minutes, and he just could not yeah. get back in the flow of the game at all. Um, so, uh, you know, he, he was kind of you – know, he was skipped on a couple shifts in the third period. They were just looking for guys that actually had something going last night. Um, you know, the, he was together for most of the preseason with Nolan Patrick and, and Jake Voracek. For whatever reason, you know, and you – you know, I, it takes a line some time to develop chemistry, but there was no progression there. Uh, I mean, they were, you know, they just they just weren't in sync at all. The one guy who, uh, you know, we we could we could talk about the Oscar you know, Oscar Lindblom. You know, I, I thought that's been a very strange trajectory this season, where the, yeah. the Flyers had the West Coast road trip. Um, he was probably one of the Flyers' two best players on that trip, two or three best players on that trip. Um, he had he had a streak of uh, eight points in seven games, you know, points in six of seven. JVR comes back. The very first game he's back, the Flyers are trailing Jersey by a goal in the third period, and JVR moves up, and Lindbaum moves down to the fourth line. Yeah, I tweeted and, about it, and he yeah. even got an assist that game, didn't he? And it's like he did it in like six minutes of play. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and ever since then, it's been like a you know, like the the leash has gotten shorter and shorter and shorter. Where he was playing four and a half minutes last night. You know, I mean, he he sat for the better part of a full period at one point, yeah. and then he's out on PP two. I mean, that's pretty tough for for any it player, but especially a young player. And you would think that you would think that during that stretch, you earn a little bit of cash with a coach, where you're going to get, you know, a, a, a little bit of confidence. But the, the the rope has been very short. I mean, again, he he just he just went through that stretch where he had eight points in seven games. And he looked to be coming on, and I I mean, he hasn't played his best since then. But I, I also think that he went from being, you know, a confident hockey player to a guy, to one of the many guys who's pressing on the team. Um, and, and Mike had mentioned, you know, JVR's center. I mean, right now the uh, Flyers' third-line center role is kind of a black hole because Jordan Wheel yep. has just not gotten the job done at all. Um, no. 
Scott Lawton has done better on, on uh, a wing or on the fourth line than he's done when they mm-hmm. moved him up into the third line. You know, the Flyers just caught up Phil Veroni today from the Phantoms. And not that yep. Phil Veroni is any, you know, is, a, is any miracle worker. I mean, he's been an AHL guy most of his career. He has only 50-something NHL games played. But, I mean, he's a, you know, he's a guy who sees the ice well. He's a very good playmaker. He's, he was the league MVP last year. I, I don't think they're viewing it as a long-term kind of thing, but I wouldn't be shocked if he gets into uh, the bottom six of the lineup during this trip and he gets secondary power play time, just to, just to get another look out there. And one of the things that Fletcher had said is he's going to uh, – the, the very first step is going to be to see if they can find some solutions internally Right, and then then if not look look is, externally. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and I think I think that's just a yeah. I mean, and that's maybe just a you know just just toss something in the air and hope it works. But I mean, I think that that's uh, you know I, I don't think he's just going to be an extra body on this trip. But I mean, that's going to play in the JVR mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of things because they the, you know they they said there's just a whole lot of things that have not been been working very well in the lineup, and you, you can't use the excuse of of not you know the Flyers went through I think one game in eight nights before they. They played last night, you know. I mean, yeah, that that can be an excuse for a couple of shifts in a game, but then as the game goes along, you should be the you know you should be the team with more energy. So, you know, the Flyers waited two periods to get going, and it and it just happens too often. I you know I I told Russ during one of the buzzcasts uh, earlier this week that I I found a lot of parallels between. Chuck Fletcher's situation and being inserted in the middle of the year in Philadelphia is very similar to his dad when he took over as GM with the Leafs back in 08 after they fired John Ferguson because in in that situation uh, Cliff Fletcher was given marching orders by the ownership of the Leafs to try to trade uh, what they called the Muskoka Five, a lot of the no-trade guys like Sundin and Tucker and Brian McCabe. In this instance, I, I think you know Clark and and Holmgren have given marching orders to, to Fletcher to, you know, after evaluating, maybe doing something in terms of a shakeup. And I just don't know whether, you know, going in, evaluating for a couple of weeks and then making an impact move is the right way to go with this team. I know things aren't working out, but this is, that's a situation where you're prone to make a mistake. And I, I, I just, don't think it's the right thing, but I think that's what's going to end up happening is they're going to make some sort of move in the next couple of weeks. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that I think there will be moves in the roster, and it might even be, uh, you know, I mean, this core group has been together for, you know, go, going back to 2011-12. You yep. know, it, was, it was Couturier's rookie year. That's when uh, Simmons and Voracek came in, along with Shen, of course, who was moved a year ago. You know, and Giroux. I mean, that's that's been your your core group. Uh, at least up front, for for the duration of that time period. And I mean, Giroux, Giroux's coming off a tremendous year last year. He's played really well this year. He he has not been the issue whatsoever, you know. But they're, you know, the Flyers are in a weird situation with Simmons because they they they're apparently very far apart, more so on term than on cap hit. But they're mm-hmm. nowhere close on term. I mean, Simmons wants Simmons wants the deal that's going to take him through the rest of his career, and you know. Ron Hexel was reluctant to, to go anywhere near that, and you know I think Fletcher probably won't go all that near that either. I so agree. he's he's unrestricted, he's unrestricted at the end of this year. I mean you don't want to end up in a situation where you lose him for nothing. And so that that's the very first decision that has to be made: is do you extend him? 
you know, do you try to do you try to meet in the middle there? Do you go four years on him? I mean, he's already thirty. Didn't you know? You know, he's uh, he's an old thirty just because he he broke in the league kind of young. You know, yeah. he never played AHL. Um, and I mean, he, he plays a physical style, and, he, and he's coming off a, a whole slew of injuries last year. You know, I think on sheer adrenaline, he got off to a pretty good start the first week of the season. He he hasn't really looked great as, as the mm-hmm. season has progressed. So I mean, I think that that's where the the first move you might see made is, is something involving Simmons. Um, and uh, you know, after that, I mean, the, the Flyers. I think Anthony Sellers has more bought them a little bit of time to figure out a figure out a goaltender. Yeah, uh, they 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 cannot they cannot go back to Brian Elliott and Michael Norvert just because. No. Well, first of all, first of all, you know, I mean, you know, the joke is always, you know, like, uh, you know, the, how how many minutes until Norvert has heard? It's not even how many weeks at this point, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and, and exactly. uh, it's just yeah. I mean, the, that 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 was of all the mistakes that Ron Hextall made. Not addressing goaltending this summer. I know. I know the Flyers went out. They got Morozik last year, and it, it worked out. No, it didn't work out at all. It worked. No. It, it worked out so poorly to the point where the Flyers went with two injured goalies in the playoffs because they had no <laughs> faith in Morozik, and it was a justified decision because Morozik had been so bad. So yeah. I, I get that. You know, I get that they just expended a, a, a trade. You know, like a, a draft pick asset, a third round pick, as it turned out. You know, for a goalie, it didn't work out at all. You know, I mean, if if you look at the Grubauer trade this year, it was you had to take a you know it was a, it was a salary dump and a second yeah. round pick. But I'll tell you, even though you know, even though he's not not playing a ton, that that I think could have been the difference of about five points in the standings for the Flyers this year. Just a little more stability in goal would have made a huge difference Can't at, argue at this that. point of the season. So I got one more. You know, well, yeah, I got one last Flyers question. I'll shoot it to Ant, and then it'll go back to you, Bill. But yeah. Ant. With with yeah. Provorov, something something I noticed besides that play last night in overtime, like we all saw that. But just right. in the in the last couple of weeks, it almost seems like to me it would be beneficial if the Flyers could find just a good veteran defenseman who could skate, who could sort of take Provorov under his wing. Because you know what, I think it's too much for him right now with a team sort of in a little bit of turmoil and him not playing his best hockey to still be expected to be the number one guy with all those minutes. And I think someone needs to sort of put their arm around him and, and, you know, talk to him about the tough times too, because I don't think he's getting that. I think it's, I don't know necessarily from a a defensive perspective, if you're looking in house, I I have a hard time coming up with the combination that's going to work there. That being said, I I think the Wilson, the, the bringing of Rick Wilson on board you know, having a different voice in his in his ear, you know, as we go along over this process over the next month or so, that's something that, you know, we'll see how the two of them kind of, you know, how, how the two of them sort of gel with each other with Wilson's philosophy. And basically, as, as we know, as Bill's mentioned before that, of how Wilson is pretty hands-off and lets the players figure things out for themselves. But at the same time, something has to start clicking for Ivan Provorov. There's no question about yeah. that right now. Between the goal and between the fact that they have such levels of instability in that and your top two defensemen are just just not anywhere near as consistent as you need them to be, that creates a crisis of conscience throughout the lineup that, that, that basically 
creates a lot of a lot of difficulties and the inconsistencies that we see with the Flyers so far this season. If you don't have those areas, those are bedrock areas, your top pairing defenseman and your goaltending. If that's not working, then that's obviously going to be a problem. And I'm going to give Anthony Stars, Stolarz a lot of credit with regards to, I think, how he's handled himself uh, through the first uh, – through these three games. But, again, stability from that back end is so very critical right now for them. And, again – that requires to me, if they're looking for a veteran, I just don't see the veteran on this team that's going to No, it's not on the team. They'd have pro- to go get one. Yeah. They would have to go get one. If they have to go get one, then yeah. And then in that circumstance, again, they're going to probably, you know, if you're looking for a veteran defenseman, it's going to cost. So the question yeah. is, again, what the evaluation process will be. Who is that defenseman that will be available that can help to sort of stabilize them in that case? And it may not be a top, top-level guy, but at least if it's no, a veteran no. guy who's, who's, a, who's a calming effect and not just, you know, uh, you know a Corsi hound uh, right. <laughs> that everybody's looking right. for, um, but provides that sort of calm stability that they need or that specifically Provorov needs at this point. And, again, we, we forget the fact that, again, he's, he's played so far above his age level throughout his career right. that this is the first time we've really I've kind of seen adversity for Ivan Provorov and him struggle. And whether or not some of that is physical, some of the, and I don't, but I'm sure if it is a little bit of that, but it, it certainly has creeped in, I think, to, uh, into his mind and into his game because it's, it's, it's plain as day that he is not the same defenseman that he, you know, at least at this point in the season that he's been uh, throughout most of his career. What's your thought, Bill? And, and I mean, I, I agree with most of what uh, Anthony said. You know, his rookie year, he had struggles the first few mm-hmm. weeks of the season. Um, remember the minus five game in, in um, Chicago, yeah. and he was, I believe, a minus nine through 11 games. Um, but, you know, those were his first 11 games in the NHL. And then he, yeah. then just everything clicked in for him, and the rest of that year went, went really well. And then last year he took it, you know, even another step. I mean, I, I wasn't ex- expecting him to come in this year and necessarily score another 17 goals this year, um, especially because most of them were either, you know, a lot of them came five on five. It's hard to do year after year. He's not a, he's not a real top flight power play defenseman yet. I think that's, you know, that, that might be something to take some burden off of him just for a little while, just take him mm-hmm. off the power play, just for, just for, you know, just focus on, on rebuilding your game piece by piece. I do think that, uh, you know, I do think, Wilson is a nice addition, you know, in, in that sense. But it has a lot of it has to come from him, um, you know. And I mean, listen, Andrew McDonald has been a mess too. Yep. Uh, but that that had been, you know, before they put him together with Gossip Bear. Before, you know, McDonald had been his partner for most of his career, actually. You know, yeah. uh, up up until they they put him together with Ghost last year, and uh, you know, they just had a. You know, I mean, just there was there was a comfort level between the two of them. When you, whenever you would talk to Provorov, he would always bring up McDonald, even without you, even you know, even mm-hmm. you know, some, you know, sometimes it, it's easy to, to elicit a, a positive quote about a, you know, no no teammate will ever knock a teammate, you know, if you ask a specific question about them. It's always it's always you know one of the tricks of the trade where if you're writing a feature on somebody, just ask some teammates about them because they'll always say nice things, and you know, you you, you get your quotes that way. 
with, with uh, Provorov, you would ask him about his game, and he would always talk about what well, you have to talk about. You know, AMAC too, and he's he's a big part of it, and you know he would always he would always deflect part of it, which is uh, you know often what you hear from veterans more so than from younger players. Yeah. Um, you know, there's just not a lot of guys that are, are are really going very well at the blue line, and that that adds pressure too. Um, you know, I, there are there are guys out there. You're gonna you're gonna get somebody. You're, you'll probably be getting someone who's not playing very well himself, or or he's a you know he's a uh, salary dump or, or whatever. I mean, it's more of a you know. Once again, it was something that uh, during the off season, and you, you see both sides of the coin, right? You, you mm-hmm. see a need on the blue line. On the other hand. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, how hot? You know, how how many years? How much salary did you want to go on Calvin DeHaan coming off of an injury? Just for example, you know, right. good player, good player, but he's not a guy you signed at any cost. So no. you know, I there there were the guys that were out there, and then I mean, one of the things is that when those guys are off the market, you know, they weren't they weren't going to go, and, and I, I get that they didn't want to go to guys that were going to be a, a lateral step or, or you know just uh, in some cases maybe in a backward step, and I I get that. But they went into the season largely with the status quo. I mean, these, these are the things, right? The goaltending going yeah. unaddressed, not at you know, not adding another proven third line center slash penalty killer. And yes, they went after Saucy this year, but you know, they just didn't sign here. You, you know, you can't twist the guy's arm. Right. But uh, you know, there then you had to go another option. You maybe had to look trade or something. You know, those, those are the holes that are killing them, and those were those are the question marks heading into the off season. And they added JVR, which was a, you know a nice signing and may very well still prove to be a nice signing, but there were the other holes that are still there, and sure. those get those get hard those get very hard to address in season. Mike's point that you make mistakes when you rush into moves, I, I agree with that. You know, I mean, it, it's uh, you know, I, I do think I do think that Paul Holmgren understands that. I mean, honestly, Paul Holmgren is a very high hands off club president. The, he let Ron Hexel run the team as he saw fit, I think, really until this past yeah. summer. So, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, one of the reasons they, they brought Fletcher in, he's not a, he's not a knee-jerk kind of a, uh, a GM. He's not going to rip the team apart. He's not going to tear up the farm system trying to get them into the playoffs this year. You know, I do think that, that he'll, you know, when he sees some opportunities, he'll, he'll move forward aggressively on them, and sometimes that means – you know, sometimes that means you give up something that you'd rather not give up. You know, like a, a, if right. it's, you know, they're they're asking a second round pick, you know, a, a, in a deal or a, you know a guy who's not on your untouchable list, but you'd rather not give up. You know, I, they they might be in a situation where if it would be a guy they think might help them beyond this year, they might make a move. But I again, I don't I don't see them just uh, going going hog wild to. Uh, you know, to, to try to put together another run where they're about 96, 98 points and, and maybe a wild card team and another tough matchup in the first round. I don't think that's the goal. I think that uh, while they'd like to push this season, I think I still think the, the focus is long term, but they want to be more aggressive in, in you know coming up with a coming up with a plan where the team's going to get better in the near future. Just in case some of the, especially just in case some of these young guys, you, you see, you're seeing the process now with, with Provorov where it's not always linear. Same thing with Patrick. Right. It's not always linear. These these are top of the draft guys, really talented kids, but they don't yep. always they don't always step right in and, and it's all good all the time. You know, there's right. going to be there's going to be growing pains. I mean, that's you know that's the flip side. That's the flip side of it. No, you don't want to tear apart a farm system, go all veteran, get old, have no future. You know, but at the same time, when you're when you're relying so heavily on the kids to come in and take a bigger bite, well, 
inconsistency is often part of that too. True. All right, so we're going to talk about something happier now. And, Mike, let's talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs. There was a car accident today. <laughs> William Nylander, he got signed. I mean, is, is that like – is there karma with that? What's going on? What, the car accident? Yeah, the car accident, the way the signing went. You know, come on. You, you killed my, uh, my one little moment there. But that's all right. What, what's your thought? went from uh, uh, being benched in his first game because he was ineffective to uh, almost, uh, you know, getting into a car wreck with his best friend, Caspery uh, Kapanen, in, 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 the, uh, in the passenger seat. Um, I mean, I, I, to be serious, I, like I said, I think I made myself clear on pre- previous shows that I thought the betterment of the Maple Leafs was to trade Neander for the defense and that they desperately need and they didn't do that. They signed him to a six-year contract. Now, I, I personally believe that that contract was structured in a way that he could very well be traded after July 1st of next year because it's a $9 million um, money. Uh, uh, the second year is $9 million in salary, $8.3 million in signing bonus. And basically, if they traded him with five years left of the contract, one of the years would be a free. It would be a coupon. It'd be a free year. Um, and I'm sure that with his talent offensively, and there's a lot of teams that were interested before the Saturday deadline, that if he has a decent year, uh, that uh, you know, even even if he doesn't have a decent year, even if the the, the impasse uh, makes him you know slump early on, I think there'll be a lot of interest in in Neander in a deal uh, before uh, or after July 1st. But that being said, he's there. He's going to be there for the rest of this year. Um, I, I think sort of it's, it's sort of like, uh, you know, to use an old expression, gilding the lily. It's like, you know, you could, you know, you've got so much offense right now with Matthews, with Tavares, with Marner. I don't know where the need was to bring back Neander, um, but, you know, it, in terms of asset management, getting him locked yeah. up and, and taking Michael Neander and his agent out of the mix going for the next five years or six years, that that was beneficial to the Leafs in terms of the value of the player. But, again, before February 25th, the deadline, you know, on top of needing a top-four defenseman, and you could see this last night when Austin Matthews got slammed into the boards by Nicholas Cronball, they need somebody who provides a little bit of a pushback, and the name Wayne Simmons uh, is on the lips of a lot of Leaf uh, fans because he's from the Toronto area, he's a rental, they have the cap space, and they have the assets. And I wouldn't put it past Kyle Dubas to call on Chuck Fletcher at some point before February 25th to see how much uh, Wayne Simmons would cost them to get. Well, Ant, we brought him up before. I mean, it's, it, it is totally mm-hmm. reasonable. But what? before you bring up Simmons, though, Ant, just quickly, like what, what's your thought on the Nylander effect? Like now that the deal is done, is the team a little disrupted? Is it going to take them a little while now to work him in? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's always in that circumstance when you have a good rhythm going as a team with your line set as is, there's always going to be a bit of a domino effect. Now, again, you would think over time, you know, the effect, you, you, you deal with the bumps in the road and then you have the positive effect of adding yet another offensive weapon to your lineup. Um, but that's something that Toronto has to kind of, you know, ride out at the moment and figure things out. Um, long term, though, if you're asking me, I, I do think the contract allows him to become, as, as Mike had indicated, 
I think allows him to become an asset now that the that now that there's a certainty as to what his cost is. Um, I don't necessarily still believe that he is long for the Leafs in the circumstance that he's going to be there uh, for a long period for the for the duration of that contract, and that this summer they, that depending on how the Leafs play this year, that that contract could certainly come into play for another team who would be interested in adding a, a top six talented forward, but. Again, that that partner has to have um, what the Leafs are looking for in return, which, as we all, as Mike has already indicated, uh, is a defenseman to try to balance things out to really sort of move the Leafs into true Stanley Cup contender, uh, Stanley Cup uh, championship contendership. Well, I, I think I think they mostly just kicked the can down the line a little bit here. You yeah. know, here here's the thing, right? With uh, with both Matthews and Marner coming up at the end of their entry-level deals, needing to be re-signed. Neither guy, especially the kind of your Marner is having, neither guy is going to be a, uh, a bridge deal guy. Both no. of them are going to, both of them deserve long-term big contracts. So if I'm another team's GM, I'm just waiting. I'm waiting. Uh, when, when you sign those guys and you have, you know, to work, then all of a sudden you have all this money tied up in four players and you're struggling to manage your cap, I'm just waiting. And I, I'm, not, I'm not offering you... I'm not offering you full value for Nylander. I'm not, I might even go south of what I might even go south of what was what I offered before because they got to put a, they got to put a defense together. You know, you got you got to look That's at fair. what's on the market this summer too. So they did mm-hmm. kick the can down the line. There's not immediate decisions that have to be made with, with him sitting at home. But I, I, I you know I I just think that that uh, you know I just think that it's it delay it delays moving them. But I think it could actually ultimately. You know, actually, ultimately, it's something where if, he, if he's part of your, you know, if he's part of your picture, and you're you're figuring how that how that'll fit in, you'll build a defense, you know, as well. That that's one part of it. But if but if you're moving him, you know, again, if I, if I'm another GM, I'm I'm just waiting the Leafs out because obviously Matthews and Marner are going nowhere, and, and uh, right. you know, Tavares is, is a key piece. So you know, you're you're not going to tie in, you're not going to tie another you know six plus million into. Uh, you know, in, in to, to Nylander when you when you have other needs as well. So that that's kind of where you know. And, and listen, I mean, in, in the short term, once they get uh, once they get Nylander, Nylander situated and going again, it just adds yet another scoring threat. You know, I mean, you saw what you saw at Pittsburgh a couple of years ago, where with a pretty suspect blue line, still won a second straight cup. So oh, yeah. you know, although although that's not the ideal way, you'd like to have a little more balance across your lineup if you're if you're so deep. You know, you you can do it. <laughs> you know, if you if you're you know if you have enough weapons. No, no doubt. Although Pittsburgh, I think they their offensive players play better defense than the uh, yeah the league. Yeah, I would agree with that. I and then that's that. sort of where they do yeah. get away with it. But one week there will be a lot of Jake Gardner talk. But this isn't going to be it. But I know one week there's going to be a lot of Jake Gardner <laughs> talk. There's going to be. I can feel it coming. But but that's it, guys. Thanks so much. Bill, everybody oh. knows how to get a hold of Bill. What, 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 Mike, what? Did no, I was going to say that, that there already ha- there already has been starting to be mentioned some Jake Gardner talk, especially from Nick Kiprios of Sportsnet, where he's talking about the fact that you know Gardner is amenable to a uh, to a, sort of a hometown discount, but the you know if if he wants anything if he wants anything close to what he can get in free agency, that the Leafs are are, are not. And what's a home down discount? And that, that's what, where. What is the, the discount? What does that sound well, like? I, what, what does that look like? 
from 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 what from what Kiprios is indicating, fairly close to what he's making right now, which is in the four four and a half, <laughs> probably four and a half million range. He's not doing which is, that. Which is complete. Complete and utter balderdash. Yeah, of course he's not. I mean, Nick Kiprios wouldn't sign for that if he was a player now. How could he even report that? Come on. Well, but well, I, well, he uh, he did, and that, that's why I'm saying I, the, the interesting thing, and we'll see over the next couple months, is if if Kyle Dubas cannot get Jake Gardner at least talking about reasonable numbers in terms of uh, a future contract. And I don't think that's the case because he has a chance after Eric Carlson. He's probably the be- the the best defenseman uh, in terms of a free agent on the market next year, and that that's saying mm-hmm. something. That I wonder whether Dubas will not make the same mistake that Lou Lamorello did last year in not trading JVR and not trading Bozak and getting a return for them because Gardner walks for nothing, they get nothing back for him, and that's a loss. And I, I think in, in a situation that you're in right now, it's better to get a first-round pick and a prospect than to let the guy walk for absolutely nothing. Even if All right, you're what will your reaction be, Mike? What will it. your reaction be if Jake Gardner walks for nothing? Tell us now. Well, I'm expecting that, but I'm saying if they, <laughs> if they trade him and they get a good return for him, I'm celebrating because I think that's the right thing to do. If they let him walk right. for nothing, it's par for the course. So if he walks for nothing, does that mean you you would like go to Anchorbar? Is that it would be a down day for you? No, I, nothing. Nothing will make nothing will make me go to that crap hole. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Well, we did have a little Jake Gardner talk, guys. Again, thanks so much. Everybody knows where to find Bill on on Twitter and everywhere else. And appreciate it, Bill. And that's it for off the post. We'll catch everybody next time. Take care, everybody. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.